Well, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm learning a lot about the church when no one claps for the QR code, but everyone claps for the hearing assistance. So I don't, know, I don't know if Greg was the best salesperson for that QR code. I got to tell you the truth, Greg. I love you, but I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're excited about it, but uh, actually I had to get help with it this weekend as well. So don't feel bad. Well, today we're continuing on in our series um, called We Press On. And today we're going to talk about pressing on in prayer pressing on in prayer. I had a couple talk to me in the lobby saying to me, we never hear the the Lord's prayer here at the church. I said, well, you're in luck today. You're going to hear the Lord's prayer. And it comes to us from Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. And this is Jesus. And I want to point out right away, his words are, when you pray, I'm going to stop right there. There is an assumption made by Jesus that if you're a Christian, you pray. He didn't say, if you pray, if you get around it, he said, when you pray, you not be like the hypocrites. They love, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you do, when you do pray... Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord to us today, Good News Church. This week I did a lot of reading and studying and, and listening to audiobooks and, and uh, just absolutely challenged and convicted uh, by many great men and women of old. One of the men I, I deeply respect is Martin Luther. And he said this, If I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil gets victory through the day. I have so much business, I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. I know you're not laughing because you all pray three hours a day, and you're like, standard, just standard at three hours minimum. (laughs) What's interesting, um, we all know the name Martin Luther, and we, we we think of the 95 Thesis and all that, but he was a man that was made in his prayer closet. A.J. Gordon said, you can, you can do more than pray after you've prayed. You can never do more than pray until you pray. Prayer is the basis. Prayer is the foundation for our Christian journey. I hope you all know the name Hudson Taylor, a great missionary, but 18-year-old Hudson Taylor wandered into his dad's library and read a gospel tract. He couldn't shake off its message. Finally, falling to his knees, he accepted Christ as his Savior. Later, his mother, who had been away, returned home. And when Hudson told her the good news, she said, I already know. Ten days ago, the very date on which you tell me that you read the track, I spent the entire afternoon in prayer for you until the Lord assured me that my wayward son had been brought back to the fold. Hudson Taylor was a famous missionary in China. And at his death, there were over 205 missionary stations in China. Over 800 missionaries and 125,000 
Chinese Christians. He spent 51 years in China. Thank God he had a mom that prayed. Can someone say amen? You think, do my prayers count? Well, ask China if the prayers of a mother and a father count. They absolutely do. His historical contribution, we could say, was in his missionary journeys, but it started in a moment of prayer. And I want our church to be a church of prayer. You know, Jesus said this, my house will be called a house of prayer. There's a lot of things you can call this house and they'd be good, a house of worship, a house of fellowship, a, a house where kids can come and all that's good. But underneath that, in the ground level, Jesus said, the thing that I want all of the community to know about this building right here, what do they do over there? Oh, they pray at Good News Church. They pray. Those are, those are praying people. Because Jesus said, I want my house to be called a house of prayer. And Jesus not only modeled prayer, but he would go early in the morning, he'd go off and pray, and when he'd come back, you would see, because you read the Gospels, what would happen. He would go out, heal the sick, raise the dead, turn water into wine, multiply bread. And there was only one time the disciples asked him to teach him. He was always teaching, but he said, they said this, because they were kind of dim-witted, some of these disciples, like some of us, like myself. But they kept seeing a pattern. They kept seeing a pattern. He prays, awesome stuff happens. He prays, awesome stuff happens. So they got smart. And they went and said, hey, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? Because <laughs> they thought, we want, we want our lives to look like that. And, and so he did. And when he taught them to pray, he taught them the Lord's Prayer. Now, the Lord's Prayer, there's nothing wrong with reciting the Lord's Prayer. But the Lord's Prayer, in its essence, is a prayer model. It, it's, it's, a, it's a pattern of how to pray. It's not just that we pray the Lord's Prayer and move on or pray it 10 times in a row, but we spend time appreciating each line of what Jesus taught in the Lord's Prayer. But the larger picture is I want you to see that prayer is crucial to the life of a believer. And there's a few things I want to teach you this morning in the time that we have together. One is power isn't in prayer, it's in God. People say there's power in prayer, and I, I know exactly what that means. I understand that, but the power is is in God. Psalm 25 says this, in you, Lord, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous and without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. He was praying, wasn't he? But what was the object of his prayer? It was God. It wasn't his prayer request. So oftentimes we put our prayer request at the center of our prayers, but the center of our prayers needs to be the person of Jesus Christ as we speak and spend time with him. And that's what the psalmist is trying to show us, because if, if the object, if you think the power is in your prayer, when your prayers don't get answered, if that's the culture of our church, that there's power in prayer, there's power in prayer, and your prayers don't get answered, then all of a sudden, well, I guess you didn't have enough faith, or you weren't praying hard enough, or, well, see, there's a whole other conversation we had. See, when, when we pray, when we go into our prayer closet, it is to meet with the Lord primarily. And I want to say this as an assurance to all of you, that it's not the amount of your faith but it's the object of your faith that matters. The Bible says if you have faith like a mustard seed, just a little mustard seed, 
I fly frequently, and I share this illustration because it's perfect, but I, don't, I fall right asleep on a plane. I don't think much of it. I don't know how a plane even flies. It baffles my brain how a piece of steel like that flies. You know, so I, I just fall asleep and trust Jesus to get me to my destination. But sometimes you go through turbulence, right? And there's people like me that will be sleeping, and there'll be other people that are holding the armrests like they're, they're steering the ship, you know what I mean? And they're, they're nervous. Some have total faith in the pilot. Some have very little faith in the pilot. But you know what? The people that have little faith don't crash. Well, the people with great faith don't crash. They, the people with great faith, they all arrive at the same destination at the same time, don't they? Some with great faith in the pilot, they can explain how a plane works. Who, who, who has total trust, can tell you the statistics, how it's safer to fly than drive a car. High faith people and low faith people who say, I, I don't even know if we're going to make it. They get there. But as soon as they bought the ticket and they got on the plane, they put their faith in JetBlue to get them to Florida. Maybe not with a lot of faith, definitely not on time faith. God knows I don't have on-time faith, but the actual flight worthiness of the plane, I, you know, I, I've always had a good experience. See, a lot of times we think we have to have this strong faith, this strong, it's no, I, I look to Jesus, I look to Jesus. I think about the woman with the issue of blood that pressed through the crowd and people were mauling at Jesus and she just said, just if I could just touch him, if I could just touch Jesus, I'll be made whole. And Jesus rewarded that fledgling faith because he said, you came to me. And when we go to Jesus, we'll never be disappointed. Number two, prayer doesn't align God with my will. It aligns me with his. You might want to read that again because it's, it's important. Prayer doesn't align God with my will. It isn't so often that's how we pray, right? I'm trying to get God to do the thing that I'm asking him to do all the time. Hey, God, do this. Hey, God, do this. Hey, God, do this. And there are times that God will, will do that. But I want you to read the essence of what I'm saying here. 1 John 5.14 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. And if we ask anything, there it is, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. What is my mandate from God as we pray? What is our mandate? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, if we pray aright, this is old English, so bear with me, perhaps it is quite necessary that we pray contrary to our own heart. Not that, we want to, not that what we want to pray is important, but what God wants us to pray. The richness of the word of God ought to determine our prayer, not the poverty of our heart. When we go to prayer, our, our prayer ought to be, and I'm going to share this in a second, but not our own will. And so we, we come to God and we say that, God, help me see things as you see them. Help me think the way you think. Lord, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts and your ways are higher than your ways. And Lord, what are you trying to teach me? I don't have this in my notes, but this morning I woke up around six to look at my notes one more time and I opened up my computer and it was dead. Now, you have to understand I do everything digitally, so it was a quite, a, a quite a scary moment for me to realize I had no notes for church, for all of you. And so I started to pray. 
Jesus, 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 Jesus. You ever pray just like that? Like, you know exactly what I'm saying. Like, I'm pushing the button. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. I can't even go online and buy a sermon at this point because I can't get online. <laughs> and so I started saying, Lord, what are you doing, God? What, what's that? Like, I didn't want to call my wife because it was six in the morning and call her. She's not, she, she's not going to help me at all anyways. And, and, and so I literally in that moment started saying, you know, you know planning contingencies for this morning and um, calling in sick. I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. Week four, but uh, I got real nervous, and I, I'm going to every outlet in the house, and I'm trying everything, and I'm I'm praying in the spirit and asking God to help me uh, raise my computer from the dead. Lord, you did it for Lazarus. Do it, do it for me. And all of a sudden, I said, God, what are you trying? To, I, I said, Lord, what are you trying to teach me here? Maybe it's just how to schedule different, print my notes, start using pen and paper, get a scribe. I'm not sure. But I, 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 I looked at the situation and I first said, fix it for me. And that God doesn't mind when you do that. But the, the question under the question is, God, what are you doing right now in this moment of unanswered prayer? How many know we have a lot of times where prayer is not, either not answered the way we want or not in the timeline that we want? And we can be filled with anxiety in those seasons of, 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 of confusion. Or we can say, God, what are you trying to do in me in this moment? And God does always answer our prayers. But I always tell my kids, no is actually an answer. When they ask me for things, I say, no. You understand? No, I do understand. And the answer is still no. But dad, but dad, still no. But, 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 still no. Still no. Well, of course, we don't like that when God says no to our, our unanswered prayer request. And, and sometimes, you know, we don't know why God says no. And we don't understand even the things that we think would be uh, perfectly good, we don't always understand. And that's what I want to talk about next, which is number three. God invites us to pray radically, but to trust even more radically. Matthew 7, 7, it says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, look at this, receives. Huh. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if we ask for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I'll tell you, as the preacher, this verse even now still confuses me because it seems like there's no asterisks, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. It says, you ask and you'll receive. You seek and you'll find. You knock and the door will be open. But a bing, but a boom. Name it and claim it. Blab it and grab it. And you just pray and you'll get it. Well, I'm old enough to know that hasn't always happened for me. I don't know about you, but I pray and say, Lord, give me this thing and it, by Friday at four. And he does it. How many ever had that happen before? Okay. Hello, hello, right? So, so, so why do we do it? Why do we pray? I want to I read this verse because this is the best verse I think there is on, on how to think about prayer. And it comes from Jesus in his passion in the garden He's, he's praying, he's interceding. The Bible says he's sweating drops of blood as he intercedes. So he's not praying a casual prayer. 
He says this, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. What is the cup he was requesting to be removed from him? The crucifixion. The purpose for which he came. He's saying, you know, that doesn't sound fun the more that I think about it. And please, please, and I've read medical science that says in, in extreme stress and turmoil, you can, what you're seeing, the sweating drops of blood is a real thing. It's a, it's a medical thing. I've never been that stressed in my life. But our Lord and Savior was that stressed. And so for those of you who have experienced stress of a situation, know that your Savior has experienced stress too. And what does he do with this stress? He goes to the Father. And he says, take it from me. But then this, but, ne- but yet, but yet, not my will, but yours be done. That is sovereign trust in God. That says, I think what would be best here is this, but if you think better, I trust you. A lot of times people walk away from faith because they will say, God let me down. God failed me. And I'll tell you, God has never failed, and he's never failed anyone ever. And that's hard to understand, because there are people in this room who have suffered far greater than me, gone through pain far greater than me, and the question that arises from your heart is, how could God let that happen? And see, it's in the times that we can't see the hands of God that we have to trust the heart of God, the goodness of God, the character of God. That he is who he says he is, even in the seasons, and sometimes protracted seasons, where I don't understand why he would allow that to happen. People will come to my office and ask me these questions. Why why did my child die? Why did my business collapse when I did everything right? Why this and why that? And why did did my husband leave me? And why, why, why? And they're very... Discouraged when the pastor says, I am not entirely sure. It would be arrogant of me to presume upon the will of God that I don't fully know in those situations. But what I say is, but we have to trust him. If you walk away from him, what will you have? Jesus was preaching and teaching one day. I don't have this in my notes, but it's so relevant to what I'm saying to us here uh, today. And he's talking about, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood... Right? And he's preaching like this, and people are like, this guy's freaking me out. The Bible says, and many, <laughs> and many at that point walked away. They're like, yeah, that's weird. I'm going to go back to the other church I was attending, because they you know, talk about this eating the flesh and drinking the blood thing. And he turns to the disciples, I love this, and says, are you going to leave too? And right away the disciple says this, where would we go? You alone have the words of life. I love how quickly he answered, because you know he'd already thought it through. Where else could we go? <laughs> and then he, but, he, but he landed on this. God, you have the words of life. So when you're going through things you don't understand, I'd ask you, where else will you go? I'm going to take all my confusion with me to heaven. And all my questions to heaven. And all my, why did you let that happen to heaven? Because I want to go to heaven to be with my Savior. Because he invites us to pray radically. And I would, I would ask us, what, what, what radical prayers are you praying right now? If it's true that we can approach God with boldness and ask for things, what are, what are we asking for? Are the asks that we're asking for primarily based on our own personal flourishing? 
God, give me that Lamborghini I've been looking at. God, give me a bigger house. God, give me, God, give me better health. Or God, give me, are you saying, Lord, save Leesburg? Lord, there's tens of thousands of people in this county that don't know you, Jesus. Would you give us Lake County as our inheritance, God? Are you praying, God, for the nations of the world? Are you praying for missionaries? What are we praying for? And again, I go back to this. God is not offended by you praying for your personal requests. He hears them and he cares. He cares. My wife prays crazy, silly things all the time. And she convicts me because she gets her prayers answered all the time. And I said, I think God likes you more than me. <laughs> I just put my prayer request on her table, you know, because <laughs> she, she has a fast pass, you know. She has a fast pass, like a Disney, you know. So she's like, oh, God gave me that. I prayed for that. I'm like, you prayed for that? Why did, oh, I, that's great. So we can pray. Pray. If God wants to bless you with some awesome thing, great. Wonderful. Take me for a drive. That's great. But also we need a bigger view of things. And say, God, we, if we can approach God with boldness, let's, let's be radical. Let's pray for healings. Let's pray for miracles. Let's pray for salvations. Let's pray that those who are addicted get set free. Let's pray that marriages that are broken apart can be put back together. Let's pray for families where kids are alienated from their parents, that there would become reconciliation, that the prodigals would come home. Let's pray radically. But if we don't see the answer in the way we think we should see the answer, we end our prayer with this. But nevertheless, not my will, but God, your will be done. And we trust him. And we trust him. Not my will, but your will be done. Number four, prayer is chiefly a pursuit of God, not of his gifts. Now, any who have kids or had teenagers at any point can relate to this. Because when they're little, they love to spend time with you, don't they? Four, five, six, they don't leave you alone. They're on your lap, they're in your bed, they want to hang out, they want to play catch. Dad, hang out with me, Dad, hang out with me, Dad, hang out with me. If my kids are watching, they, the older ones, they don't ask to hang out with me anymore. And my nine-year-old does, and I love it, and I, I'm like counting down the days before he decides he doesn't want to, you know, he's too cool for me. But th this happens often to me. And I, my daughter's not here, so don't tell her when I share this. I haven't seen her for five days. They're all in New York. My whole family's in New York at a conference, a youth conference. And um, so they're just having too much fun. They, they, they don't care about me um, right now. <laughs> so five days go by, and my daughter says this, Daddy, Mateo Swift merch cardigan is out for delivery. I'll text you when it's there and make sure you get it. I don't want it to get stolen. To which I said, I miss you too. Because, you know, like, we haven't talked in five days. I said, LOL, miss you too. I think that's a lot of like our prayers, right? Sometimes we go to God, he's like, oh, I've missed you too. It's been, it's been a bit. You know, I remember I was in Iraq. I was in Iraq, 14 hours away. I don't hear from my kids. I get the daddy text. Daddy, I know exactly what's coming next. Can I buy concert tickets? Of course you're texting me, right? Now listen, I don't mind. As a good dad, I want to meet my daughter's needs. And by the way, I sent a picture of, of the package safely delivered on her bed. So just so you know, I did my job. We're still in good standing, you know? I said, fine, you know? But 
I don't mind. I don't mind that they come with me to the request. I'm their dad, and I want to meet their needs. How much more does God want to meet your needs? But you know what I really love? I really love when they want to just be with me. When they want, when they want to hang out with just me. When, they, when, they just, when my daughter randomly just hugs me and says, I love you. With no strings attached, no, I need something. Just to, I just want to let you know I love you. How many parents would say that's, that's the best, right? It just, it's, they don't just call for something. They just call and say, hey, how are you? Now, I'm guilty of this too. My, you know, women and men are different. You know, you're laughing like, oh, yeah, this smart pastor. Uh, my, my wife will say that to me once in a while. Maybe I'm the only guy in this episode. Have you called your mother lately? Have you called your mom? And I'm like, yeah. It's like, what month did you call your mom last? Okay, I'll call my mom. I'll call my mom. <laughs> now, women, she talks to her mom every day. You know, she's always talking to her mom. How's your mom? I don't have to ask if she talked to her because I know she talked to her, you know. And there's that relationship. I remember when I was, I was uh, having surgery years ago. My surgeon was, had something wrong with my nose. He goes, he's a Lebanese guy. He says, he goes, do you have kids? I said, yeah, I have, I have three kids. He goes, tell me who, what, what? I go, I have one girl. And two, he goes, ah, have more girls. Only the girls call when they get older. The boys, they never call. I said, okay, it's a good tip. I'll have more girls <laughs> so I get phone calls. But, you know, as you get older, you, you want relationship with your children just because you love them, because you love them, because you love them. And listen, God wants to have a relationship with you because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. Do you love spending time with the Lord? Just being in his presence, just being around him. The object of our faith is Jesus, as I just said, who he modeled the prayer. He assumed that we pray, but he also, he commands us to pray. He commands us to pray. And I don't always understand it all because he is sovereign and we don't twist the arm of God to get things, but he, he calls us to come into his presence and to, to spend time with him. And like I said, and I, I say this gently and pastorally to you because I do know that it's the prayers that don't get answered that, that can confuse us and derail us in our, in our faith journey. And I would encourage you in the midst of your confusion, as I said, to put your hope and trust deeper in, in Christ and to, to know his word. You know, the Bible says if we pray according to his will, how, how do we know his will if we don't know his word? His word tells us his will. And so we need to be people of the word. I'll tell you, even spending time um, in preparation for this, I, I feel my heart swelling to even do a multi-week series on prayer because it is, it is that crucial as a church that we pray. We're not building a business here, folks. We're building a church. We're building a church. And the CEO of our church is Jesus Christ. And how do we grow a church if we don't know what our CEO wants, if we don't spend time with our CEO, if we don't know our commander's intent, we have to, each one of us, not just me, because what's great is when I pray and you pray and we get together, we come to find out we're praying the same thing and we're hearing the same answer and we're, we're moving together. It's not just all of you asking me, well, I, I don't go up to the mountain with God alone. You know, this is not the Old Testament. That's not the model of the New Testament church. I am your pastor, and I, I, it behooves me greatly to be a man of prayer. It, it, very much I need to be a man of prayer. But I don't pray in the place of all of you. You pray as well. I want to be praying with you, and I want to say this to you as your pastor. It is my joy to pray for you daily. 
And I, it would be my joy to pray with you, whether in your home or in my office or in my home or at this altar, because I want this place to be a place that's filled with prayer. And it would be my joy to, to be that person that prays with you. I want to invite the, the worship team to come, and I'm going to kind of land the plane here as we get ready to come to the Lord's table together. But I end with this psalm, Psalm 63, verse 1, says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you, thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing, Lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I will remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. I just love uh, David's heart as he writes this psalm, just reflecting on his, just his deep love for God and for his presence and to know his heart and to hear his voice. And I want that to resonate with each one of us and be reflected by each of us as we press on as a church, as we press on, we need to press on to prayer. The catechism says this, question one, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is this, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I pray that as you hear this word and respond that you would long to be in God's presence and you would commune with him and, and find joy in God. I think one of the ways we can do that and remind ourselves who God is and what he's done and how he's worthy of our prayer and our praise and our worship is when we come to the Lord's table.